I'm Richard August, the designer of Epic Encounters, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Shannon Applegline to talk about managing an RPG community and researching RPG history. In the news, more Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft previews, the Critical Role board game has been announced, the new Pathfinder video game gets a release date, Gen Con badges go on sale soon, and more, plus our favorite game in all the world, and a brand new sketch about how even the undead feel the call to adventure. This week on Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by Branderstock's Polearm Emporium. You can find Branderstock's in Upper Ramsbottom Street in the town of Thornistons, just past Mrs. Cockle's Codpiece Boutique. Branderstock's Polearm Emporium sells a wide range of halberds, glaives, and bohemian ear spoons. Ear spoons? That's not a real thing, is it? Ridiculous. What is this nonsense, anyway? I can't believe I'm reduced to flogging this low-class commoner tap to pay my rent. Anyway, go to Branderstocks for pointy sticks. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. For us, however, it is totally fantastic to be here. We have possibly our most long-distance guest ever. Our most long-distance guest, even further away than from Australia. Oh, it's a close one. Yes, a close one. But I, wow. I guess I guess this week's in Hawaii. A fact that, of okay. which I am immensely. <laughs> I mean, this is burning envy. You can see it on my face. <laughs> for those listening at home, Russ, in fact, has turned a lovely shade of bright green. Yeah, well, um, that's because that's I'm in a, a, a bright green room with bright green rooms <laughs> and everything Everything kind of looks greenish in here. But anyway, our guest this week is uh, Shannon Applecline, who you might know from RPGNet or mm. from his series of books, Designers and Dragons, both of which mm. I'm sure we're going to talk about in great detail a bit later. But first of all, hi, Shannon. How are you? Hey. Good to, good to meet both of you. Doing great out here, as you said, in Hawaii. Yeah. Very early in the morning. Out there with the sun, the sun and the beaches, two things of which I am very, very, very <laughs> little familiar <laughs> The sun, the sun, I, I recall that. That's a, that's like a big light in um Yeah, the, I mean, it, the, it appears here room. about once or twice a year for 15 minutes ah. or so. You, you may have seen it yeah. before. Well, I don't know. I, I, I've always been told, if you see something very bright in the sky, call it into the police straight away. <laughs> so uh, that's very much what we're working on. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? Let's get on with the show. Absolutely. So, shall we do some RPG news? I think that could be a good idea. I mean, we've been doing it for like nearly three years so far. There's... I mean, isn't, isn't this a special episode in some fashion, Russ? Is it? Isn't it like our 150th? Oh, yeah. It's our 150th episode. I'd totally forgotten. <laughs> well, Wow, 150 episodes. Yeah, you're like, let's get some really big in. Let's get Shannon out for It's like, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the 150th episode. 150. Fantastic, yeah. I've done yeah. this 150 times. Why? Why am I well, doing this to myself? I don't know. Terrible oh, life decisions. Anyway. It's why we play role-playing games, for the terrible life decisions. Yeah. Anyway, I'll yeah. there isn't actually that much. It's been a really, really quiet news week. I've been struggling oh. to find news to talk about. There's been like tons and tons and tons of previews of uh, uh, Ravenloft. Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah, yeah. Ravenloft's Guide to Ravenloft. But they're all images. They're all art pieces. 
And this is a podcast, which makes it really, really hard to talk about. I mean, hey, we had Claudio Posas in to talk about images like twice now, so it can be done. Uh, I think probably the major thing I've heard is apparently there aren't any stats for the NPCs. I did not know that. Have you been following yeah. the uh, the Raven North News channel? I have been. It's been really exciting to see Wizards actually mm. uh, detailing worlds again. I was really, really mm. lacking for a number of years under 5e, so thrilled to see that, especially such a classic world. Yeah, mm. I mean, Ravenloft is, I think that and Dragonlance are my two, you know, they're the two, they're the two D&D worlds that speak to my heart most yeah, of them. I'm a, like, Forgotten Realms, I can take it or leave it, but... I'm an old Greyhawk fan myself, but Dragonlance, Greyhawk. <laughs> Dragonlance was also coming out when I was of that age, and lo- love to see that. Yeah. I've got my fingers crossed for that one. I'm hoping. They said they said they were going to cover three settings over the next year or two. Mm. Ravenloft being the first. Three classic settings. Ravenloft being the first. I have my fingers crossed for Dragonlance. Yeah, don't know how it could be anything else. We'll see. Well, I don't know. A sort of uh, Spelljammer Planescape crossover also seems like a popular kind of idea out there, too. <laughs> well, there was that April Fool's gag, but yeah. Oh, Planescammer, um, <laughs> or whatever it was called. Spell Planescammer, your guy. The Planescammer's guy to Spellscape. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic, yes. But no, I, I can't wait for Ravenloft. This is like a, a, a mm. like sight unseen. I'll be picking this one up. It comes out next Tuesday. It looks gorgeous. Nice. Um, we, we, covered it at, uh, we covered the table of contents last week on the show, so we've kind mm-hmm. of gone through it. But what I like about it is it looks like it's a, a toolkit for running horror games in D&D. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it has, I think, a, a section on how to run games, safety tools, um, how to address various kind of tones and genres of horror from, you know, just sort of gothic horror all the way up to really nasty body horror and mm. sort of stuff I probably wouldn't personally want to play. But there are people out there that would. Yeah, it's great to see toolkits is a type of release people have been doing for a while now. It kind of opens up the uh, scope of what a DM can do again, gives them a lot more agency and creativity, like back in the very early mm. days of the hobby. Yeah, yeah. And also we've got an awful lot of updating of different domains. There's been some sort of gender swaps. They've addressed some sort of problematic cultural issues with some of them uh, and things like that, which I think is definitely an improvement. I mean, not not the... I, I dislike the original Ravenloft at all. I've got the, the original box set. Is there anything that, you know, you two guys are, are particularly looking forward to it? Is there anything that, about it that's really jumped out for you? I thought the Ghost Train that we completely theorised from the name of the setting in Eberron, that looked quite interesting. Um, and yeah, I'll just be, I, I, I'd just be interested to have a poke around and see what ideas they had and basically what things I could take and essentially reframe as my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was all, it's like, it was all my idea. <laughs> if, they didn't want to, <laughs> if they didn't want me to steal their ideas, they shouldn't have written them down and made it for sale. Well, I guess so. Shadon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you got any, any thoughts on the book? I'm mainly uh, interested in how they manage the continuity. I've seen them describing it as a soft reboot, mm. and so it's yeah. going to be a question for Ooh. me of how much do they uh, keep of what's there, how much do they... Uh, advance it as kind of an organic story and how much do they just say uh, nope this is the new Ravenloft because uh, unsurprisingly I'm a, a huge fan of continuity and certainly happy to see the changes mm-hmm. but I just like to see the continuing story and certainly Ravenloft with its realms and its myths it's always had the opportunity for things to just totally change on a dime and in fact they've done that yeah, at least a yeah. few times mm-hmm. so 
I'm going to want to see what their yeah. their meta story is, as it were. So, so my guess is I don't think it will be done via any kind of meta plot. Mm-hmm. I think it will. They'll just kind of hand wave it a bit and just say weird things happen. The mists do this, and now it's like this. There you go. Is is kind of what I think is going to happen. I expect so. I mean, there's yeah. some detailed reviews out there which I've yet to read. So, um, you know, the, the answer is probably out there for if, if we if we if we really wanted to go and look for it. But I'm going to hang on until Tuesday and. and Look at it myself. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, I, I quite like the not being tied to an established law because then I don't have to read, understand, and know everything in the established law. And it means that any players I have who are massive fans of the law may still occasionally have su- surprises for them. Mm. Although, obviously, calling to an established law can help. I suppose yeah. knowing it can also be very helpful in order so that you may subvert those tropes better. Yeah. Or sometimes just play straight into yeah. them. I, I can't remember the last time I actually ran a game in an official D&D setting. <laughs> Long time. I, I, in fact, it was actually a Ravenloft game. It was Curse of Strahd. And that, right. was, when, and, that, and that was when it came out. When did that come out? Like four or five years ago? Six years ago? Yeah. It was a while. <laughs> <laughs> Try, try not to look directly how long ago it came out, Russ. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Anyway. All right, with you fans of the Trojan War. I've read a couple of books about it, so <laughs> know the story. So yeah. I guess, yes. So coming <laughs> coming from, and I think already now available from um, Green Ronin, is mm-hmm. Fantasy Ages Trojan War. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. this is for their uh, generic system, Fantasy Age, which has three, three variations. It's got Fantasy Age, Modern Age, and... What's the, was it, is it Future Age? Is, what's the yeah. future one called? I think, I think Future I think Age. I think I'd like Space Age. That's what I'd go for. Age. But I think Future Age is probably <laughs> I think wrong. It's future yeah. age. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. it's got it's got three versions of it, and uh, this this is a basically a setting toolkit book for mm. the, the uh, um, adventure game engine system, which is the the, the system that powers their games. Um, yeah. And it's all about the Trojan War. So if you want to play Greeks right. or Trojans or Amazons. This is this is the book for you. Yeah. Uh, do you want to be smart like Odysseus or chop everything down like Achilles? Yeah. Um, and just try not to be an unnamed an, extra. <laughs> <laughs> and I be always, careful about your nice shirts, like Agamemnon on most. I always, I always, I, I always wondered what um, Odysseus's crewmates thought as he set off on his voyage home, and he said, "Right, let's begin this Odyssey." And his crewmates probably turned around and said, Odyssey, I've never heard that word before. What's that? And he said, oh, it's just a name for a thing that happens when you take off and only one of you gets home alive. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I mean, it like took 10 years, so that was it. I mean, and the, the Mediterranean just isn't that big. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's really nice. It is, it is very nice. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd take my time too, if I was him. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let me have a look and see if I can find some more news. Um, this is not so much RPG news, it's actually board game news, mm. but it's from Critical Role. Oh, yeah. So, Critical Role, um, I think it was last year, um, announced they were mm-hmm. creating a, a game studio called Darrington Press. Oh, yes, yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, and amongst those things that they uh, they plan to bring out include a couple of role-playing games, uh, new role-playing games as well, not, not just D&D um, material uh, and some board games Ooh. and right now they're announcing their first board game which is called <laughs> Ukatoa Ukatoa UK apostrophe O-T-O-A 
That's interesting. Sounds kind of, I don't know, middle, middle American, meter American, Aztec What's, uh, what's going on? Uh, so it says the name of the game comes from a monster that's been haunting the character Fjord in Campaign 2 since the start. And it has it looks like a kraken, basically. Oh, nice. Or like a, uh, an Aboleth-type type monster. And this is a board game, which kind of is set in the same world as Critical World's Adventures. Ah, I see. But deals specifically so, with, with, with the, with the kraken-y, monster-y sea fairy. Like, is, is it a giant alien murder shark or a giant alien murder squid? Well, it kind of is. It, it looks like it's got a dragon-y head, though. It's got... It's oh. got tentacles, but it looks like it's got a dragony head as well. It's apparently a, a little, oh, a right, little plastic go. dragon. So very, very, mm. very rare Aww. type. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Ah, the plastic. Well, what sort of damage do they do when they use their breath weapon? Um, uh, yeah. Just, do, they just, do, do they like breathe out meeples or something? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they shrink wrap <laughs> people. Oh, that would uh, be unpleasant. Oh, it's apparently a, yeah, there you are. Try to swing your yeah, a semi-cooperative mm-hmm. game. Kind of interesting to see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. I'm very surprised they didn't start with a fantasy board game. Yeah, I, mean, mm-hmm. I would have thought they would have started with a D&D role-playing product, yeah. given that that's kind of, kind of their wheelhouse. But I guess they're trying to expand beyond that, and they want to develop IP mm-hmm. in general, rather than just be you yeah. know, pigeonholed as a D&D company, which is why they're doing it mm-hmm. this way. I remember uh, when they first made their announcement a year or two ago, and everyone said, wow, Critical Role is doing a company, and what is this in regard to the board <laughs> game? So, interesting to see. I, yeah. I love co-ops, so. Well, they are. Mm, they, are they are going to be made. They, I, can't, I can't for the life of me remember the details of what it was called or what it was about, but there is a brand new RPG totally unrelated to D&D coming from them, written, I believe, by mm. Matt Mercer. Right. But it's uh, not connected to D&D in any way at all. Yeah, and it will okay. kickstart a million dollars. Of course it will. Of course it will. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Although, yeah. to be fair, talking of kickstarters of a million dollars, so Ouroboros. Uh, Ouroboros? Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah, yeah. That's the one by the people who made Warcraft, yeah? Yeah. That mm. hit a million dollars just the other day. Mm. And it's now the fifth one, fifth tabletop RPG Kickstarter to do that since April this year. Wow. <laughs> In the last Crikey. 10 years, yeah. or however long Kickstarter's been around, about eight years maybe, there have been eight in total. Tabletop yeah. RPG Kickstarters that have beaten yeah. a million, and five of them have been since March of this year, April of this year. Crikey. I mean, have we had our first $2 million Kickstarter? I'm sure we've had. Yeah, we? uh, yeah. there have been two. So there was Matt Colville's... Mm. Strongholds or something. Um, Fortresses, yeah. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And then mm. there was uh, the One Ring this year. Yeah. Just slipped past oh. $2 million. Crikey. Yeah. yeah. So seems like it might be start being a $2 million club at this rate. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Which is like mind-blowing. It's, it's <laughs> amazing. I mean, I yeah. it's, it's partly, I think... Um, to do with like uh, backer kit is now heavily on the scene with these really mm. really big um, ad campaigns that it's funding and then it takes a percentage of your Kickstarter after the event so you don't have mm. to have the, have, the, have the money in advance and I think there's some big 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 Facebook ad campaigns being run through backer kit like mm-hmm. tens and tens of thousands of dollars maybe more yeah. but, wow. um, uh, but you know it could be anything it could be pandemic related it could be I think um, you guys in America have been getting some um, some checks from the government haven't you yeah what are they what are they called again I knew what they were stimulus called checks. stimulus so, checks every, yeah. every couple yeah. of stimulus months they, they send us more money to stay home yeah so it could be all of these things mm. added together is, is causing this 
Or it could just be some kind of yeah. weird old coincidence. Who knows? We've certainly seen yeah. Kickstarters ramping up the whole time. I remember the first year we had any reasonable Kickstarters, I, I wrote, wow, we got something that did $15,000. And then yeah, the next year yeah. we had 10 or 12 oh. that did 100. Mm. Oh, crikey. But again, what's been weird is Monty Cook Games has been doing like quarter to half million dollar Kickstarters consistently from the start. Mm. They've mastered it. They, I mean, they could just do it so reliably now. Yeah. And I think Cobalt yeah. Press are a bit like that too. Maybe not quite yeah. to the same levels, but they're doing sort of 200k Kickstarters frequently, aren't they? Yeah. There's, um, there's plenty of money out there if you've got the right product. Yeah. And of yeah. course, you can get it in front of the right audience. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of it seems to be. It seems you almost have to do your pre marketing before you even get close to the Kickstarter. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. Yeah. You've got to do it. Moving on with the news. What little news there is. And I could slip in a plug for my own thing because obviously next Tuesday, my next Kickstarter is launching. Oh, yes. The so, one for ACE. For the Awfully Cheerful Engine. Marvelous. And I am super, super, super excited about that. So um, I think I'm appearing on a couple of podcasts about it over the next two weeks. Oh, and, very uh, nice. This week we recorded a. I, did, I, I, I ran my first ever video recorded um, demo live stream. It wasn't live stream because it's recorded, but um, of a game the other day. Yeah, yeah. It's about an hour long. It's quite, it's quite tight. <laughs> but I can't. I've looked back. It's not that bad. It's okay. I was a bit, I was a bit worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing uh, the broadcast when it comes out. Yeah, well, I think it'll be ready before Tuesday and it'll be on the mm. Kickstarter page. But I am Marvelous. super, super excited about that. We have got a little bit of news about Gen Con and a little bit of news about PaizoCon. Ooh. So, um, Gen Con is taking place September 16th to the 19th. There's mm-hmm. a reduced capacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, badges are going on sale on Sunday, May the 23rd. So these will only be four-day badges, a limited number of them. Once they set out, they're gone. Uh, Although there will be some single-day badges coming available later, apparently. Uh, And also anyone who pre-purchased badges for the 2020 Gen Con, who Mm -hmm. opted to roll over to 2021, they should already have their badges assigned to them along with an option to roll it over to 2022 if you're still not comfortable going, because I wouldn't be. Yeah, seems amazing that we're getting back to uh, in-person cons already, but it's a number yeah. of months away. Yeah, now for me, no, it's not It's not happening. Um, maybe Dragon Con in December. Yeah, I think in the U.S. In right now we're hitting maybe. about 50% of people who have had one, one vaccination. That might be adults, yeah. but still. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and we've got new variants. We've got the Indian variant springing up over here now as well. So, you know, that makes me nervous. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. But anyway, that's, uh, that's Gen Con. Uh, as for PaizoCon, so that's yeah. May the 28th to the 31st. So that's uh, literally just around the corner. And they've listed um, all the events for the convention on their blog. Um, and that includes things like stuff for Starfinder Society Organized Play, which they've got um, a year four storyline called Year of the Data Scourge. Hmm. Year of the Data Scourge? A Year of the Data Scourge. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell I, I, I make of that, I, I know about as much of that as you do. So. Um, they'll have like uh, panels live streamed. They'll have all the different events um, available for people to watch if you can't actually make it there. And I assume they normally have this sort of big banquet during PaizoCon, which I don't know whether they'll be mm-hmm. doing that this year or not. And then they during this banquet, they have a big sort of uh, 
panel, a presentation of all their plans for the year to come. And that's where all the big sort of Paizo news comes out for each year. So I don't okay. know whether that will be happening again this year or whether they'll uh, not do it because of COVID. But I'm assuming that the news will come out some way or other. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Um, sticking with Paizo, sticking with Pathfinder, I think the last bit of news for the week is that uh, Alcat Games Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous. Uh, Alcat Games has announced a release date for it. Okay. So you can get your hands on it on September the 2nd. You can pre-order it now and you'll get it on September mm-hmm. the 2nd. And the second beta is available to Kickstarter backers already. If you back yeah. the Kickstarter. I made seven months. I made seven months to wait. Is that for September? Yeah. What is it now? I don't even know what oh, it is. You say, I thought you said December. September. My bad. Yeah. September. Oh, okay. Well, I, that knocks it down to four months. I don't even know what month it is now. What is it now? May. What year is it? <laughs> I don't know. Dear me. <laughs> I've been sitting here on Zoom for a year. I don't know what to tell you. I, I mean, honestly, listen, he's just sat there with this big old Robin Williams beard, and quite frankly, it's like, yeah, are you, are you cosplaying to mate? <laughs> <laughs> right, I think we finished with the news. That's it for the week. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Maybe it should be time to play our favourite game. Our favourite game in all the world. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Uh, Shannon, I'm going to assume you are not familiar with this game. I read about it, so... uh... <laughs> oh, I well, promise you to experience it in real time. How about it? It is, it is, it is more fun than it sounds. Would you like to go first, Peter, and show Shannon how to do it or how not to do it, as the case may be? Uh, there, there will definitely be a demonstration of some sort occurring okay. in the immediate future. I'm more than happy to do so. Okay, Peter, are you ready? Okay. What oh, is? Yeah, hit me. What have you got? What is broken tales? Hmm. I think this is a role-playing game all about um, mice with severe vision deficits who, in their attempt to scale a large grandfather clock and get back down again in return, had an unfortunate encounter with a farmer's wife. Uh, it's all no, no, sorry. How are you spelling tales? I should probably T-A-L-E-S, not T A I L S. Well, that just completely froze me <laughs> off then, didn't it? Okay, so I should probably change from there. Um, <clears throat> I think Broken Tales is a uh, random adventure generator, which is consisting of lots of different uh, tables which you can use to generate an adventure and the details therein. Uh, beginnings, middles, ends, plot twists. We have lots of D100 and D1000 tables. Uh, and obviously you can choose from yourself. Uh, it's Broken Tales because it's all broken up into these various sections. Hmm. It is exactly not that. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so what this is, it's a it's an original RPG for World yep. Anvil Publishing. Okay. And this is set in 18th century Europe. Ooh. And you are agents of the papacy. And you okay. investigate supernatural threats. Wow, okay. Um... So it's Catholic Buffy, it sounds like to me. Set in 18th century Europe. Is, I, I was going to go with I, I Papal mean, X-Files. Or Papal X-Files, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Papal, Papal X-Files. Um, okay, yeah. Um, goodness, I mean, I it's, uh, there's certainly a lot more um, long dresses involved than I normally associate <laughs> with my games, but yeah, okay. I love the cover of this. It's a bright red book, mm-hmm. like 
bright yeah. red book with like, this black okay. silhouette on the front cover. It was a gorgeous cover. Oh. What's the silhouette of? Is it's question. Kind, of, kind of like a monstery, demony kind oh. of like you know those um, those pictures where you've got to say what it is and everyone says it's a bat. What they called again? Oh, uh, Rorschachs. Yeah, Rorschachs. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks a little bit like one of those, except it's a little more obviously a demon. Unless I'm just seeing a demon and it is in fact a flower or something, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a demon. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost tempted to look at it, but I'm going to leave it and wait until I see it in the wild. Right, <laughs> just, so, just so I could be totally confused and then I can come back and say, Russ, do you, did you think that looked like a bat? It's clearly a... Insert X here. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Yes. Uh, but that, that was... Yeah. That remind, was me, rem- remind me never to take a Rorschach test. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to give you minus 500 points for that I'm afraid Peter oh, fair enough okay so Shannon are you ready I am ready okay this one is called Unfamiliar Release the Tiny Beasts Unfamiliar Release the Tiny Beasts hmm. uh, I'm not familiar with that one uh, it Sounds like uh, it could go if you uh, just go with the very pragmatic uh, about witches familiars, uh, possibly only the mice, uh, because they're going to have other supplements where they talk about larger ones, you know, release the medium sized beasts where you have the cats, (laughs) release the large beast where you have the dogs. But I'd say it's a supplement about familiars for D&D 5e because everything is. Okay. Well, you are correct. Not only is everything a supplement for D&D 5e, this also is a supplement for D&D 5e. So this is not so much a supplement about familiars. You play the familiar. Oh. Oh. Um, technically, you used to be a familiar, but you've been set free and you have a taste for adventure. I was afraid you were going to say a taste for blood for a minute there. Oh, well, you, I, may, I got- you may have that as well. I gotta say, considering the law surrounding familiars, then a taste of blood would be entirely fitting. <laughs> I mean, and to be fair, actually, I suppose with most adventures they are quite similar. Yeah, I- so, so the find familiar <laughs> spell has uh, thirteen yes. different species on it. I could not name okay. them off the top of my head, if you even if you if you paid me to. But the, uh, they have divided them into three subspecies. Hmm. Okay. And from those three subspecies, you create you create a familiar with six special classes built around the familiar's abilities, and then strike out on your own and adventure as a cat or a mouse or a, whatever the other ones are. Bat, owl, an owl, whatever. Yeah, po- poison snake, a a quipper, I think. Which a newt, a tadpole. <laughs> how are you adventure as a tadpole Russ? I'm just being silly although how are you going to adventure as a quipper I don't know it's like you know do you get the other familiars to pull you along on like in a little goldfish bowl um, like maybe on a skate maybe on a no a roller skate roller skate Peter, stop it now. stop it you're being silly we'll have no oh, silliness on this podcast thank you very much this is a very I'm, I'm serious so podcast I would like to formally apologise to the creators <laughs> of this game for for in any way associating their product about familiars going on adventures. Oh, the silliness. cover's very cartoony. I don't know what I'm uh, uh, on the cover, no. I can see. Well, I can see a rabbit. I can see a frog. I can see a badger. I think a cat, a bat, <laughs> some kind of bird. So, oh, it looks fun. Why not? Why not? And welcome to this week's episode of Russ Says Animals Names in a Confused Fashion. <laughs> uh, so, um, Shannon, I'm going to give you seven points out of ten for that. Yeah, oh, right. Which means well, you are well, currently in the lead. Seven points to minus 500. Everything to play for. Hmm. Okay, Peter, 
Are you ready for your next one? Yeah, go on. Okay. What is Valbrick's silver ring? <laughs> um, sorry. Um, Valbrick's, did you say? Could you spell v- Valbrick for me? V-A-L-B-R-I-K. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Valbrick's silver ring feels like it should be an adventure path, um, possibly involving some sort of halfling called Valbrick, who meets uh, another halfling, possibly while separated from his friends in, in the caves, and they engage a game of riddles, and... No, wait, I'm just describing the plot of The Hobbit at this point, aren't I? Okay, um... Yeah, we'll say there's Valbrick. Has a ring. It's magic. It's an adventure path. Uh, I think it is a... Yeah, probably an adventure path for D&D. It is an adventure path for D&D. But it's a three-part adventure. Would you call that an adventure path? Why not? Let's call that an adventure path. It centres around a wedding where mm-hmm. everything goes wrong. This is the D&D Fifth Edition, as I said. It's for 8th level characters, and it's a randomised adventure. There's a set of 81 cards that are used to randomise that experience, and these include combat and role-playing encounters, puzzles, skill challenges, and more. Interesting. Just kind of fun. Yeah. Could be good. Yeah. What it isn't is The Hobbit, unfortunately, (laughs) Peter. I'm sorry. That's fair enough. Sorry. So that's another minus 500 points for you. So you're now at minus 1,000. Okay, fair enough. It's a good score. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Shannon. I always take the modulus on my scores because then uh, it makes it much easier <laughs> for me to uh, enjoy them. So, Shannon, <laughs> all you have to do is not score minus 1,007. Eight. And eight in order to win. This is the final one. All right. And this I one will is do my best. You got this. No. It's, it's harder than it looks sometimes, got to say. So. This, is a, this is one of the one-word ones as well. They are, they are the top ones. Oh, my. Nowhereville. Nowhereville. That sounds like a role-playing game where you play rock legends, uh, real nowhere lands, living in a nowhereville. I think that's how that song went. Um, possibly there are yellow submarines involved, uh, possibly an octopus's garden. It's a whole fantasy role-playing setting based around the songs of the uh, band that they cannot name because they did not get the licensing rights. That sounds fun. That sounds like a great game. That's not what this is, but that does sound oh. like something I would pick up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is an original system, a core rule book from Nerdburger Games. Um, this is about a town that won't let you leave, and it's a horror RPG inspired by Stephen King, The X-Files, mm-hmm. and Twin Peaks. Okay, so sort of hitting off a sort of a... Surre- I'm getting a bit of a surrealist vibe... Um, with a certain amount of there's magic going on, but in a very strange and unknowable fashion. Yeah, I mean it's kind of rules light, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, oh, of course, yeah. it looks like the art heavily narrative focused. Yeah, the yeah. art is kind of pencil black and white sketch art, which looks quite quite bleak and quite cool. Okay, so they're going for that, as I say, David Lynch sort of vibe. Mm. Uh, yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah. I would definitely give it a go. Yeah. So, um, Shannon, you did get it wrong, but I'm going to give you one point because I really did enjoy your idea, which gives you a total of eight points to Peter's minus 1,000. So I think we have to declare Shannon to be this week's winner of our favourite game in all the world. Congratulations, Shannon. How does it feel to be the victor? I'd like to to thank my cats and and my wife and uh, (laughs) everyone who made it possible. 
<laughs> oh, we never had an acceptance speech before. I think you might be setting um, new new standards, which we are ill-equipped to meet yeah. in the future. Well, you get to take home the trophy this week, Shannon, and the trophy, as yeah. always, is a metaphorical trophy. It is a smug sense of self-satisfaction. Oh, I think I already got that. <laughs> <laughs> We have raised cities to the ground, decimated the armies of light, and cast a shadowy pall across the land. Yes, Lord Darkfall, our evil knows no bounds. Who shall stand before us now? Who indeed, Joseph? Who indeed? If only I thought of this earlier, me, a lich, and you, at that night, make an unstoppable force when we combine our power. Your necromantic magic and my unholy martial prowess is almost too easy. You think so? It was no challenge. I feel something. Feel something, Darkborn? That's most unlike you. Well, unless you count a burning hatred for all mortal life. No, it's not that. It's something different. A pang. A pang? A uh, longing. Are you sure you don't have indigestion? <laughs> Good. I know. Uh, as if an undead champion of evil could. You don't need to explain the joke, Jersey. Uh, quite, quite. But back to this feeling of yours. Yes. I feel there is something missing. I crave... Distraction. Slaughter. Conquest. No, no, that's not it. Knowledge, annihilation, ruin. No, more like... More like... More like... Adventure. Adventure? Yes, adventure. I want to go on an adventure. My dear fellow, you have it all backwards. We are the adventure. We're the end of Even so, I wish to... To plunder ancient tombs, explore enchanted woods, uncover secrets lost to the ages. You mean, like a hero? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Hmm. You know, we could ask Chargon, the demon lord, the 19th Abyssal Hell, to join us. And Countess Malachite, the vampire ruler of Barovelnia, was mentioning that she felt a little bored at the last evildoer's ball. We'll be the ultimate adventuring party. An archlich, a death knight, a demon lord, and a vampire queen. We'll travel into the borderlands. We'll explore the lost city. Uncover the shrine of the Kuatoa. Delve into the vault of the dragon, plunder the temple of the frog, fed the hill giant chief. Then it is settled. We shall form a new adventuring company. We'll show those heroes how it's done. Yeah, yeah. The bars will sing of our bold theme. Now, oh, Yes, yes. A name for our adventuring party. Something which sounds suitably heroic. Yeah. Images of noble and gallant quests. How about the Order of Doom? No, no, we need to inspire. The Circle of Blood. Well, it didn't exactly invite hope, does it? I see what you mean. Very well. Let's go with the Shadow Council. Look, 50 pounds of life, justice, and adventure. 
Something along the lines of the Iron Hand. The Obsidian Assembly. Maybe. Of Death. The Hate Brigade. The Infernal Cult. The Toxic Force. Now, Lord Darkborn, I know you're an undead knight, cursing an internal existence of the level of the spell. Even you must have some imagination. This reminds me of when we tried to form a band a few centuries ago. Start one of the many blades. Good times, good times. Hey, why don't we just resurrect that thing? Put the band back together, so to speak? Yes, I'll get hold of the others. And so, Darkthorn and the Merry Blades, who were not merry and were not blades, adventured across the realm and murdered hardly anybody. And they were acclaimed all across the land in the songs of bards and the tales of storytellers. And that is how a death knight, an archlich, a vampire queen and a demon lord came to be the kingdom's greatest heroes. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day, and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool, good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep, man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Right then, shall we talk about Shannon? Certainly. Or should we talk to Shannon? Which should we do? Talk to him or about him? Which is it seems kind of rude. <laughs> it's it's a little rude he's to talk about him, like, especially when he's right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like otherwise he could just stay in bed for a bit longer. Anyway, yes. <laughs> um. Um, so Shannon, I, I mean, I know you best uh, from RPG Net and from Designers and Dragons, but that's not you know you've done a lot more than just those two things. But they're the two things that. You know, someone says to me, Shannon Appleclime, that's that's what springs to mind. But I think um, mm. maybe listeners who have bought things off DM's Guild, especially sort of legacy D&D products, might have noticed your essays at the bottom of a lot of them, where you've gone into mm. the history of older modules that are being sold on there and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, would you describe yourself as an RPG historian? Is that is that a fair? Yeah, that's a, a fair, fair title, RPG historian. Uh Certainly, a, a lot of my efforts right now are going into writing histories and have for mm. several years now, about a decade. Yeah. I mean, uh, Designers and Dragons is basically a series of books going through the various decades, covering the history of, of, of the industry. I mean, how, how, many, how many books is, is in that set? How many have you done? Uh, currently, there are four and a half that are published, and 
I am working right now on another um, seven, eight, something like that, depending on how you count them exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, it seems to me that that is an epic undertaking. I mean, how much how much research and how much, What I mean, I assume there's a lot of internet browsing and a lot of calling people up and interviewing them. What's the, what's, what does the research for something like that look like? Uh, it's a company by company set of books. And that's always helped me to constrain it because I can say, okay, I'm looking at this individual company right now. Mm. A lot of my initial research came through magazines. Yeah. Particularly for the older companies, they do a great job of, uh, you know, saying what people were thinking about the games, what they were thinking about when they designed them. Uh, for the more modern ones, as you say, the internet browsing is great. And there's also mm. a, a lot of people who now are uh, going and looking back at those things themselves, which gives you a lot of different viewpoints. I actually don't do a lot of original interviews myself. I find original interviews mm. um, untrustworthy to a certain extent because they're often, mm. especially for the old companies, they're so far after the fact. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, mm. I've looked uh, at interviews that uh, people from the early industry have given over the years, and decade by decade, the stories change, you know, just because mm. our, our memory naturally changes. And so, particularly for people that have done lots of interviews, you can really see how they had different viewpoints, different emphasis, uh, even often different um, answers for what caused things. And so I really mm. try and go to the earliest primary sources that I can. Uh, I do do interviews sometimes when I just feel like there's not enough in the uh, uh, written record. I just did uh, yeah. some histories mm. of a few of the uh, fantasy heartbreaker games, uh, so-called. Uh, one was called mm. Legendary Lives uh, by, I think that one was, mm -hmm. uh, and the other was Fifth Cycle. Fifth Cycle was by Shield Games. Legendary Lives was by Cryopress. Uh, anyways, these were games that got some uh, interest because Ron Edwards wrote some uh, essays about them around 2000. Mm -hmm. But back in the 1990s, when they were mm -hmm. published, there was almost nothing written about them. Certainly the uh, uh, designers didn't say anything about them. So those were cases where I said, well, there's nothing there. I need to talk to these people. And certainly when I'm done with histories, I then try and pass them off to the people and say, so what do you think? Are there any problems here? Mm -hmm. Any mistakes? Anything that you see that does not look correct? But by seeding it with as much of the uh, early uh, uh, material as I can, at least I am pushing the focus toward what they might have been thinking and trying to remind them of what they might have said 10, 20, 30 years ago. So yeah, I, yeah. I think the general Ooh. answer, at what does the research look like? It, it looks like a lot. Uh, right now I am writing one to three histories a month, maybe uh, in about half time, 70, 80 hours a, a month is going into that. and. Mm. probably more than half that time for the histories is in the research. And once I get it all down, get all organized, then I just write. Hmm. So these are, these books are they're published through Evil Hat. How, yeah. how did that come about? Did you go to them with this idea or did they come to you? Uh, they came to me, uh, not with the idea. Uh, the idea originated on a column for RPGNet. And um, yeah. I, I started producing an index for RPG Net where we were, uh, you know, cataloging all the games, uh, like RPG Geek has also done since. Um, and in some of these games, uh, ones that I'd had on my shelves and stopped collecting at some time, I said, what happened to that company? Um, Imperium mm. Games was one of the big ones. They did Traveler very briefly uh, in the mid-90s. Uh, and so I started researching, and then I said, if I'm going to research, I, I should write a column for RPG Net because, as you know, when you're 
running a website, you're always saying, how can I uh, get additional content? Oh, I guess I'll just spend extra time and create it myself. Um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, when I started publishing those on RPGNet, I, I went on to Wizards of the Coast just as something to get people's attention. Uh, a number of people started approaching me and saying, hey, we should do these in a book. And eventually I produced a book through Mongoose, which was the uh, first edition. Ooh. And mm. the Mongoose uh, came out in slightly uh, shorter print run than I wanted and slightly less edited than I wanted. And so when uh, my uh, ability to uh, retrieve the rights came up because it fell out of print, uh, I'd been talking with uh, Chris Hanrahan, who not only was one of the principals at Evil Hat before, and is again as of very recently, but he was also one of the owners of my local game store in Oakland, California. And he said, mm. you know, <laughs> loved this book, was really sorry Evil Hat didn't get to publish it. And uh, when I uh, got to the point where I could retrieve the rights, I said, hey, I could retrieve these rights. Would you like to publish a new edition? And we went from there. Okay. So what was the first first company you covered? Was it was it was it the coast or was it the the first one I uh, wrote was Imperium Games, which was that publisher right. of Traveler. The first one I published, maybe the second one I wrote, I don't know, was Wizards of the Coast. Right. And from there, I went on to some companies that I was very familiar with, which uh, I kind mm. of call the Chaosium nexus of games. So I wrote about Chaosium, Isseries, Green Knight, of which Chaosium's the only one still in business. Yeah, yeah. Well, this the industry sort of um, starts in the seventies and up until now. We're talking forty plus years of of the RPG industry. When you, when you've been researching and sort of cataloging all this information and all these different companies, have you sort of noticed any particular trends or changes? Oh, has anything struck you as as been? I've been very struck by the trends. You look at any decade, and its role playing production is almost entirely unlike any other decade. You look at the 70s yeah. and, you know, everyone was uh, trying to figure out how can I do my variant D&D game? You did I think they're still doing that, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still doing it. But, you know, that's kind of the new trend that started out in the odd odds where they no longer have to mm. hide it. They no longer have to change systems. They can use the D20 trademark license back then, the open gaming license now and back then, and they can do their variant of D&D as close or as far as they want. And so yeah. they don't have to throw out things that, uh, you know, aren't, uh, that might be uh, protected by uh, IP. They have rights yeah, to yeah. use a lot of things. But I, I think right now, if you look at trends, you see this, I kind of see it as a really awesome convergence of, uh, three different trends of role-playing that appeared throughout the odd odds. You kind of have the mainstream on the one hand, you have the indie games that, that appeared on the other hand, and you have the OSR on the third hand. And you kind mm. of see them all blended in D&D right now, where it's a very mainstream game, obviously. It's, to a certain extent, the mainstream game. Mm. But when they uh, came out with 5th edition, they looked at things like, how can we use dice differently? And so they came up with advantages and disadvantages, which, yeah, you know, yeah. are a, a system mm. I would not have expected to see in any other decade, at least before the odd odds. And at mm. the same time, it really went back to, you know, kind of a system that was more reminiscent of basic D&D probably, which has been one of the uh, primary uh, uh, real systems that the OSR is concentrated on. So, hmm. well, so it's a kind of a step... I don't want to say a step down in complexity, but it's, it's, it's a little less complex than, say, 3E or 4E before it. And that, I, I would think, kind of helped it become successful and helped it link in with the streaming audience, 
which made it more suitable for you know Critical Role and all these other big big streaming outlets, which which form this kind of symbiotic relationship with with the brand. Yeah, I, I think that's very much the case. We really saw complexity kind of peak in the '90s, and it's actually funny to look at it. You look at D and D three E, which certainly I think was the most complex of the Dungeons and Dragons games. It was a step down from the complexity that the industry as a whole was playing within the decade before. But I, I think when you talk about trends, that's what you see a lot. D&D kind of adopting and polishing the trends that you see uh, emerge in the rest of the industry and pull it back mm. into the mainstream. Mm. Yeah. So out of all the different companies that you've cataloged, what, which, which ones would you, which ones did you find sort of like the most surprising or, or notable while you were, while you were going through their history? Now, one of the things that I have, constantly find surprising is that whenever I write a history of a new company, almost any time, I just fall in love mm. with it. I right. I find all of these new amazing ideas and there's a lot of companies out there. There are. Uh, <laughs> I think there are about a hundred in the original set of books that either get a full history or, or what I call a mini history. But mm. I mean recently I totally fell in love with the the Swedish role playing companies that uh, we were talking about. I I want to yeah, yeah. Uh, get and play multiple of the games put out by Free League, who uh, is is mm. one of the biggest Free League, and because uh, they have all of these kind of old school yet modern system, kind of survivalist, so very open play, and it, it sounds very exciting. Uh, when I was uh, writing the original books, uh, well, the second edition of the books. Uh, one of the companies I really fell in love with was Burning Wheel. They're, you know, mm. kind of mm. complex. It reminded me of RuneQuest, which has always been one of my favorites game system. And yet with more, you know, emotions, goals, uh, you know, intrinsic traits, all of that. Uh, but I, I just am constantly amazed by the innovation of all of the games in the industry and by the mm. kind of love that's put into it by everyone in the industry. Uh, I, I have, you know, just piles of indie games that I would like to to try out just because they all sound so neat. Yeah, I've, I, I bet you're like me and you have shelves and shelves of games you'll never, ever have time to ever play. Well, you, you, you may be shocked by this, but when I moved to Hawaii about a year and a half, I culled my collection by about 50% out of things I thought <sighs> I was never going to play. I could never do that. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Even if I'm never going to play it, I just like knowing that it's there and that I could play it. If I wanted to, I could play it. Yeah, having to put everything on a container that costs you by the pound gets you well, in a yeah, little different yeah. mindset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So um, when you sort of uh, ran, well, you didn't, you ran, what was your role at RPG Net? Uh, I was the editor in chief. I Rich. I oversaw things. I uh, coordinated all of our columns and reviews. You know, edited them very lightly. We don't do a lot of edited them. Mm. Uh, published them. Uh, I also did all of the programming on the site. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I kind of dealt with the forums in that I was the uh, back end person. That if our uh, moderators and administrators who really took care of the whole site felt like a problem needed to be escalated to SCOTUS. And that was SCOTUS being the company that owned RPG net yeah. at the time. Uh, if it felt like it needed to be escalated to SCOTUS, I was the person that was usually legal threats. Mm. Yeah. I've had a few of those too. Yeah. They're fun. I enjoyed those. <laughs> yeah. So 
I was, I was kind of, I kind of wanted to touch on you a bit with because with Facebook and with Twitter and um, things like um, Google Plus, which came and went, and things like that, all these uh, and Reddit and uh, different different social media platforms. I I personally feel the forums and message boards like have been around for sort of twenty twenty five years now. I I I I feel that they still have an important role to play. In the, in the infrastructure of the community, and I was just kind of wondering what your what your thoughts on that were. Is that something you'd you'd agree with? Uh, yes, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I'm no longer editor in chief of role playing RPG Net, so perhaps I have a less biased view and still agree with that. <laughs> um, I, I feel like it serves a, a few purposes. Uh, the first one is longevity. You mentioned mm-hmm. Google Plus. Google Plus was a crucial part of the role-playing industry for the decade or so that it was there. The OSR in particular totally depended upon it. Yeah, it's come, yeah. it was here, and it is gone. Um, and so, you know, a site like InWorld or RPGNet, which have both been around for excess of 20 years, that can create a very different type of community. I, I think it also mm-hmm. helps that neither of them are beholden to uh, some larger company that at some point might say, no, there's no value to this uh, in comparison to our other properties. Um, Mm. I think the other thing is kind of going with the longevity. It is an archive of our history. And again, uh, I am biased here because I'm a historian, but you know, you talked about, Hey, I I bet you do a lot of research on the internet. And I do. And a lot of that comes off of message boards. And um, yeah, yeah. it's sometimes people talking about uh, the products and the companies, and you can get insights into how they were thought of at the time or how they're thought of now. But we also get developers, designers, publishers coming onto the boards and talking about things. And I've just found crucial insights into their uh, point of view at a specific time because of something that they published on a board. And it's always very sad to me when a board doesn't live up to its longevity and goes away. And you can kind of get it through archive.org. But message boards have been some of the ones that are archived the worst on there. And that's our history disappearing. So it's great to have the boards that stick around. I also think that um, message boards tend to create a greater sense of community than uh, something like Facebook. Or, uh, Facebook, you just don't always see every post. You don't always see every response. It gets muddled mm-hmm. in with everything else you're doing. And so I'm yeah. certainly on any number of communities on Facebook, but I don't have the same sense of community because I don't know who the people are in the same way. And I think that mm-hmm. goes to the final mm-hmm. thing I'd say, which is I feel message boards just give more ability for expansive commentary. You know, you start with Twitter and I mean, how much are you going to say in 280 characters? Facebook, the uh, general trend is certainly toward a few sentences. Um, Mm. I I write paragraphs and paragraphs on Facebook, but I know that's not the norm. But on uh, forums, message boards, you can talk in a lot more depth than people do. Yeah. I mean, like a forum conversation, I feel it is, like a, a Twitter conversation or a Facebook conversation happens very fast. You'll put something on there, you'll get responses, a lot of responses very quickly, and then they'll stop. Yeah, and then it's gone in uh, a after, day. After, after a few hours, and, and then they'll stop. So you'll get like yeah. 20, 20 shortest responses, and then it will stop, um, unless you've got a massive, massive following or something. Um, whereas on a, on, a, on a message board, they won't, the responses won't flood in quite as quickly, yeah. but they'll keep coming in for days and weeks, maybe even months, depending on the, depending on the topic. Yeah, sometimes so, when I'm researching things from archives, I see someone posting years later, oh, hey, saw this. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the well, that was the other thing. Sort of on a on Twitter or on Facebook, there's the discoverability isn't there. Yes. So if someone's posted, say on RPG Net or on Ian World, they've posted, uh, you know, uh, a short essay about some kind of rules mechanic that they love, they've fallen in love with, they so much so it's inspired them to write an essay, post it on a message board. If they put that on Facebook, some people will see it today, and then no one will ever see it again. Yeah, it's very ephemeral. And on Twitter. You could do a series of Twitter posts, and again the same same thing. Some people will see it right now, and then tomorrow it's gone. Yeah, I, I've tried hmm. to do searches on Twitter using their own internal uh, uh, Twitter search, and it's just very tough to get things even out explicitly searching on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, t- t- and there's no, and same with Discord as well. Oh, Discord's there's... even harder too because that's literally a conversation, isn't it? It's a chat. It's more of a yeah. chat, a chat interface. So. Well, yes, I mean, you've got, like, the various conversations, even if they're gated to a specific room, trying to find it, nightmare. And certainly if you're not in the same time zone as someone or you aren't able to respond, then the whole conversation can have just moved entirely on. Yeah. I really think, like, being able to have multiple threads is a really strong part of any sort of message board. But does it make it a lot of work to keep yeah, up? And yeah. One of the concerns I have is that Facebook and Twitter and other things like that, G+, they're often seen as replacements for message boards. And I, I, I never knew on RPGNet entirely how to combat that, to, you know, really present this. Because if we lose the message boards, I think we, as we've discussed, lose a lot of valuable things. But it's still yeah, hard yeah. competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, RPGNet and Ian were still going fine. They're still going strong yeah. like 20 years later. So, you know, we're not in any danger of disappearing quite yet. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we've got we've got quite some time to go. Yeah, I think I, mean, I, I think you've done a great job of making sure in world stays relevant by having news, by having columns often by notable people, and also by making it into a publishing empire. So I think all of those well, things pub- together. Well, <laughs> well, the publishing empire was kind of <laughs> empire. What a word! <laughs> <laughs> the publishing oh. branch, the publishing arm, was kind of accidental. I kind of fell into it, and then. Uh, just never stopped. But I mean, it, no, it's the side that makes the money, isn't it? Yeah. You're not going to make a lot of money running a message board. Even with ads, no matter how popular you are, you're not going to make a lot of money mm-hmm. running a message board. So the publishing side supports all mm-hmm. of that. But I did yeah. kind of want to talk, one of the other things that uh, a message board offers is a kind of, uh, not, not quite curated, but definitely moderated community, mm-hmm. which isn't, it can't really be compared to something like social media where pretty much anyone can say anything they like and people can control their own sort of privacy settings and what they see, but they can't, you can't shape a community in the way that you can on a message board and create a certain atmosphere. So I'd say RPGNet has a different atmosphere to Ian World. Both of those sites have a very different atmosphere to certain other uh, <laughs> which we won't know. <laughs> Certain other places, corners of the internet, um, and all of these are deliberate, um, cultivated atmospheres. Uh, you know, based on rules of modulation, the types of people that end up being attracted to those places, the types of people that come and go, uh, and the types of people that run those places. And I think that's really important too. I, I think so. Mod- moderation mm. is crucial. It's, I think, where RPG gets the majority of its flack as well, people unhappy with the moderation. But I've mm. seen totally unmoderated communities in role-playing and board games a lot, and oh, they're just not fun to be on for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree entirely. No, no. 
mean, people, you know, people yeah. like different things, and there are people out there that do yes. like the Wild West uh, that's aspect of a number. But that's not me. That's not where I want to be. I, I want to be in a place where I, I know that there are basic rules that make sure that everybody's basically safe and comfortable. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's going to go off on some kind of weird racist rant, or if they do, it will get dealt with very quickly. Yeah, it's easier to burn a place down than it is to build it up. And that's true of just literally everything. And for one reason or another, there are a lot of people who just want to break down other people's carefully constructed spaces. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is is true. I mean, why why did you stop stop being Hmm. the uh, editor over at RPG Now? Was it just time? You may not be aware of this, but running an online site can be Hmm. somewhat stressful. (laughs) Uh, and uh, so uh started last year i moved to hawaii um Mm. and i decided i wanted to remove the big stressors and the big time sinks from my life so that Mm. uh, i could be a a little less stressed and so that i could have more time for my own stuff i said i'm working on by various counts seven or eight books right now that's because i uh i stopped entirely my full-time employment and my full-time employment was when i was running rpg net so I still yeah. do some uh, contract tech writing uh, to pay the bills, uh, and uh, half of my time nowadays is spent on working on various uh, role-playing and other projects. Hmm. So you talk about stress and stress factors. Um, yeah. What I mean, I, I, I think I know the answer, but uh, what, what are the biggest sort of things that would cause you, cause you headaches and heartache when yeah. running something like that? The, the absolute biggest one was always having to worry that the machines were online. Um, <laughs> because when you're running sites, uh, at least the way we were running them, you know, you're responsible for the, the site staying up. And so uh, I would get home yeah. from, uh, you know, gaming day, you know, bicycling something. And the first thing I do is, you know, pick up my phone. Has any site crashed? Uh, and yeah. that that mm. begins to I, wear. I, I'm very familiar with that behavior. Pattern. Yeah, that that begins to wear after 20 <laughs> years or so. And so, you know, I found uh, in the last uh, year and a half since I've left that behind that I can get home, I can uh, have been totally out of communication on my iPhone for half a day, which is mm. common in a lot of places on uh, Kauai here, just due to limited cell phone, and I cannot think to check in until the evening or something. And Wow, that's amazing. Uh, the yeah. other stressor uh, were the uh, uh, threats, you know, usually legal threats because someone didn't like something that was published there, uh, usually because uh, they were getting called out on something shitty that they were doing. Um, mm. And uh, legal threats would severely stress me out. And, uh, right. you know, uh, people, uh, you know, attacking uh, the site for other things. I mean... Uh, I had a certain person who we shall not name who uh, not only uh, tried to ruin my uh, reputation by Google bombing me because he did not like getting kicked off of uh, RPG net, but later uh, started as far as we can tell, certainly looks like it making fake accounts in my name to talk himself yeah, up. Yeah. I'm familiar with the, uh, with the situation. Yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, that, I... that was kind of stressful too. I've not had that happen yeah. to me before. I have had someone who made an exact copy of my site and called it, I can't, what did they call it? It was N-Word or N-Wold or I can't, I can't remember what it was. Anyway. Yeah. And then exact copy, uh, like the layout was the same, the logo, yeah. um, there was, um, 
news a news section at the front which was basically looked like mine except all the news there was just me me ale- well me allegedly sort of ranting about this or that or the other and it was just like Right. It wasn't around for long. I guess whoever it was just got yeah. bored and gave up. But it was around for maybe like three or four months or something. And I just look at it occasionally and think, oh, what am I saying today then? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm having a rant about, yeah. about D&D, about how I hate it or something. And it's like, yeah, yeah I, I think as kind yeah. of the uh, editor-in-chief leaders of these sites, we become lightning rods uh, for any decision made by anyone involved in the site, at least on RPGNet, often that had nothing to do with me. I mean, certainly mm. we stood mm. behind everything that uh, our, our various uh, mm. people did, but it was like, oh, okay, you're throwing fits over how awful I am because of this decision that someone else made. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my approach is slightly different to RPG Nets in that mine is more, I, I sort of put my name at the top of it and I say, look, okay, yes. it, mm. you know, the box stops with me. It is me. Yeah. Um, you're dealing with and if you get kicked off it is me this person here who is going to kick you off and I'm going to tell you exactly why as well um, whereas I think RPGNet you're kind of more formal about it you you know mm. well, I, I will often you know make make judgment calls um, myself whereas you'll, you'll you'll have processes you'll have you have a much larger team of moderators over there than I I tend to use um, I mean do you, do, you, do you find that that sort of helps or hinders the the, the problem um, uh, first of all, I, I, I would say that the moderators and, uh, administrators who, you know, are kind of the higher level moderators totally make the site. They, they are the ones that, in my opinion, made it work. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything from the, Hey, we had a worldwide team. They, they still have a worldwide team. Everything from, Hey, there was someone to hit spam, you know, within five seconds of it appearing most of the time to, you know, dealing with, uh, people posting the racist rants or whatever. Mm. Uh, as for the um, more uh, specific rules, it's hard to say. I mean, we would mm. point to them. We would say, hey, uh, you're violating these rules in this way. The goal was to say, hey, you know, we have these rules. You should know what these rules are. And, you know, they're not arbitrary as a result. And then they'd get called arbitrary anyways. So yeah, right, yeah. my guess and I, I didn't ever actually do the frontline moderation. My guess would be that it gave more of a template, a Bible for the actual moderators to say what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Mm. It also has the danger of giving um, uh, bad bad faith uh, actors on the forums the ability to figure out exactly where the lines are and stand just on the right side of the line. Just how to game the rules, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's that's kind of why I tend to have looser rules, just because, you know, people game me. When someone tries to game the rules at me and then tries to quote my own rules at me, that just irritates me. <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and on RPGNet, uh, at some point it got noted, hey, you know, it's really the spirit of the rules that we're talking about, not these mm. specific words. Mm. And if there was someone who was line dancing like that, they would eventually be removed from the site. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I, I learned on Skotos that uh, really kind of put our RPG Net's uh, moderation into perspective for me was that one bad person on a site could cost you 10, 50, 100 good people on the site just because mm. they drove them off. And so yeah, yeah. That, that's mm. why I thought the uh, community work that, that the moderators and administrators, you know, did constantly was very valuable. Yeah. I mean, there's this other sort of uh, side of it where people sometimes bring up the issue of sort of 
justice or fairness, which I think um, I, I find it important to point out that I, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to try you in a court of law. I'm not here to... All I'm here to do is to make sure that this community remains a safe, welcoming place. And, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not to balance the scales on any given person or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's to look at the overall community and to just each time do what's best in that situation. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, if all this was taking place in a coffee shop and someone decided to get up and start arguing with all of the patrons, nobody would ever question that maybe this person should get yeah, out yeah. and find a different coffee shop to patronize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my analogy is you're in my house. So, you know, yeah. this, is, this is how you're expected to behave in my house. You can come to my house if you like. Mm. You're welcome. You have to behave in this manner. Mm. If you do not behave in this manner, then you have to leave my house. That's, and that's all there is to mm. it. And I don't feel that, you know, having to go out of your way to justify it to people is worth the effort yeah. at some point. It's just... Away, or... I, I think that RPG Net and InWorld are both very welcoming sites that, uh, uh, you know, are, have pleasant demeanors, and that there are sites that have, in my opinion, unpleasant demeanors. And so there's a choice. If you want to mm. go somewhere that you can, mm. you know, get into great arguments and fight with people and, you know, yeah. prove you're right and they're wrong, they're out there. And if you want to, yeah, yeah. you know, talk mm. about elf games and, you know, ways where you're not going to get called nasty names, they're out there too. And you totally get their choice. And I totally understand that people like both of them. And uh, RPG Net and InWorld have both just chosen to go on the uh, welcoming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So do you, do you still um, read RPG Net a lot now that you've left? I don't read it a lot. I, I sometimes use it for research, like everything mm. else. Um, but my uh, overall reading has definitely gone down, which, which is a pity. There's some forums on there that I like that, you know, really speak to things that, that interest me. But uh, I'd say, actually, I, I look at InWorld and I look at RPGnet, very similar amounts. Uh, the only difference being that I, I sometimes do coding fixes for RPGnet and I don't for InWorld. Mm. So the, uh, uh, the way RPGnet set up is also slightly different. Um, to uh, EM World in that you have a sort of tangency section where you will allow talk on politics and subjects like that, which I strictly won't allow anywhere on my side. I mean, is that... Can you talk a little bit about the decision to do that? Because for me, I, I was like, that just is creating work for myself. Yeah, I, And also, I like you say, a lightning rod because every single decision I make on that is going to be called into question. Yeah, I, I could not tell you the original reasoning why it got put in. My guess would be, hey, people want to talk about things other than role-playing. Here's a place to do mm. it. But, yeah. uh, you know, I started working with RPGNet kind of very casually in 2001 when SCOS got it and more fully in, I think, 2005 when I took over as editor-in-chief. So there's a lot of things in the 10-year history before that that I couldn't tell you. I can tell you that what the uh, moderators and administrators have said more recently is that they feel like it generates a um, personal community that, you know, you don't necessarily get quite mm. the type of community just in the role-playing straight boards. You can mm. find out more about who people are in real life. Um, you know, there's tangency itself, which is political often, but not just political. Uh, there are specific groups for everything from LGBT to, you know, crafting. And so there's just a lot of different ways that you can interact with people uh, 
see different parts of their identity than just the role-playing part. And I I think the feeling is that creates community. I I don't know for sure. Um, I would certainly agree it is a huge amount of work. Certainly, I've heard the uh, moderators and administrators talk more about having to uh, resolve things in tangency than just about anywhere else except our D&D forum. Um, Yeah. The D&D forum is still number two. Really? Really? Yeah. That surprises me. Why, why do you think that is? Well, the D&D forum long had uh, uh, various edition wars. I think it's right. finally maybe yeah. quieted out recently. But from, you know, 2000, uh, we actually didn't have it in 2000. We created it sometime. From the point where we created it through 2014, 15, somewhere in there where uh, D&D 5e was out and had started to really settle, there were Edition Wars, particularly in the 4E era. I'm sure you had lots mm. of Edition Wars, too, mm. then. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the uh, it wasn't the best time to be a, a site moderator, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, RPGNet has probably, I mean, I think it's fair to say, more of a focus on the overall RPG hobby, whereas the end world is more focused on D&D, although both, both cater to both. I'd mm-hmm. say... You know, I think it's fair to say that that sort of uh, that difference exists. Yeah, I feel like there has been convergence, but uh, certainly one of the original reputations RPGNet had was kind of being the center of uh, talking about indie after the mm. Forge and the real core places like that, but kind of a more uh, mass uh, mass media board. Uh, and certainly there was a while where it really had a reputation as being somewhere to talk about World of Darkness because... For whatever reason, a lot of the moderators uh, had come from that uh, community. And so I think it still has that uh, indie vibe still. Um, D&D was actually really, it, it got almost no attention for a long time. And at one point, I finally said, we need to create, at the time, a D20 board to increase the people's discussion of D&D because it got lost among everything else. And yeah, that, that was yeah. that was very successful. Mm. And that's that's why there is D&D talk at RPGNet now. It's because we created a specific com- sub-community to uh, talk about it and give people a chance to discuss it without their uh, uh, threads scrolling within a few hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was sort of uh, Ian World originated with D&D. It originated as a D&D third edition website and then uh, expanded into other games from there. But still, definitely the focus is mainly D and D. Yeah. So what would you say the some of the sort of other big big challenges with running a site of that size are? You've sort of mentioned the technical side a bit, making sure the site's staying up. You mentioned the stress, which is uh, threats and and things like that, and uh the, the moderation issues. What 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 else is there? Uh kind of still on the technical side, keeping up software up to date has been a big challenge. Uh, Mm. We've both gone through big uh, forum upgrades over the years. Uh, I think I took RPGNet through two huge forum upgrades. And uh, Mm. a real challenge that we found on our side, and I suspect is true on your side, is we were just too big for the forum software. Um, Mm. I don't remember last time Mm. I I looked at the count. uh, 20 million messages sounds about right. Uh, when we were using what was, the, what was the system you used? You used VBulletin and yeah. you used Zen Four O now. What was what was what was it before VBulletin for you guys? Uh, I think we used something called PHP BB at a time. 
Uh, when right. Sandy and Emma first set things up, they uh, set it up not quite as a central forum, but as uh, you'd have threads on individual uh, reviews. Yeah, columns I remember and stuff that. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, I think it was from PHBB to V Bulletin to uh, Zinforo, and that. Uh, we went through several major incarnations of V-Bulletin, and they were yeah, always yeah. always challenging as well because, you know, at the time we had maybe 10 million, 13 million uh, messages, and the upgrade software just wasn't set up for that. And so we'd get mm. into the upgrade, and it would say, uh, you know, I'm upgrading your posts uh, table. And 12 hours later, in some it's cases, 24 it, yeah. hours later, it would still <laughs> be doing it. And you'd be like, yeah. is it working? Is it not working? How long is the board going to be down? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. so we found those upgrades very challenging. Um, mm. There's also a real challenge just to keeping the uh, whatever uh, content software you use up to date. All of all of the stuff on RPGNet other than VBolton is home rolled. And so Sandy Antunas mm. wrote a lot of the original and then I rewrote a lot of it. And just the way uh, things get upgraded, it's all constantly breaking. Um, you know, you mm. have things that are working 100% and a year later, two years later, five years later... Uh, some of it's no longer working because of upgrades to the operating system, to the software you used. And so it's all very challenging too. Um, I also found the question of how to really uh, advertise the board always be challenging. I think we never did enough of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of the things you're doing, as I said, are are good for that type of thing. Uh, And finally, I'd say content management, the not just managing it, but always finding the new content and, uh, RPG Net's content is all volunteer based. I don't know if that's the case for in world or not. I, but there were certainly always people interested in doing it. But you know, getting the time and you know that's the biggest thing. You said these uh, uh, boards aren't really going to make us the money that we often support it with other things, and that was largely yeah. the case for RPG Net too. And so when you don't have a lot of money coming in because the advertising model is not really that great. How do you make the time to do all of these things to make sure that the site doesn't just slip away into irrelevance, broken code, shrinking community, all of that? It, it mm. felt like it was a constant tread wheel often. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, yeah, we, we approach that a little differently. We, there's quite a, quite a large monthly um, budget for, um, for yeah, colonists right. and, and stuff like that. And I, but I only started doing that only a few years ago. Yeah. Like up for the majority of the site's existence, it was all me yeah. writing everything. But that got too much, just like every single day. And if you missed a bit of news, you, you're like, oh no, I've got to get home and write about this. Wizards of the Coast have just announced the sixth edition's coming out. I've got to get home and write, you know. Yeah. And I had to get that bear, that monkey off my back, uh, because that, that was, you talk about the stressors, that was the biggest one for me. Yeah. Just always having to be on top of that every single day without fail, getting up and writing the news. And sometimes you sat there and just, I don't want to do this. Just don't want to do this. I don't, I'm not interested in writing about these 15 different, you know, supplements that have come out this week. And, you know, and getting, getting that off my back was probably the best thing I did. Although yeah. it's, it's not cheap. Yeah. Mm. But I, I certainly noticed when InWorld started paying for content because I was like, wow. They got some people on there that I really want to follow what they're uh, writing now. Not, well, not that uh, I did before, but there were some yeah, people yeah. that were super exciting. Well, it, that also meant for a sort of, I was able to go from, because I I was never really that interested in blogging and putting my opinion out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really think anyone would care what I thought about something. I haven't written reviews in 
nearly 20 years. Um, because A, the idea of writing an essay about why I hate something, <laughs> I, I just can't, can't even imagine doing that. So it wouldn't be reviews anyway. It would just be recommendations. It would be stuff I liked. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, so, you know, it's been a long, long time since I've, I've written a review. But what was I talking? I've forgotten where I was going now. I uh, went off on a tangent there. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot where I was going. You do appear to have gone off on one, I can't say. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah. Right. Originally, I was just writing news. It was flat. It was facts. I was yes. just listing facts. And that is very different to, I guess, creating content, creating reviews, creating articles, creating opinions and editorials and stuff like that. So that's the stuff that I was able to start doing once I started bringing in other, other columnists. All the stuff that I didn't want to do, basically. Mm-hmm. Good, good to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think it's been, I've been lucky, and definitely the publishing side supported that. I mean, was there, you, you've, you've sort of touched on the finances of RPG now, and obviously you can't talk probably too much about that because it's not, it's not your information to share. But I mean, I, I, I'm kind of familiar with pretty much how much a, a website of that size makes in advertising. Yeah. It's not a lot. It's yeah. not a lot at all. And I pretty much, pretty much know exactly what the server fees, hosting fees and stuff like that are all going to be. Yeah, um, the, the hosting fees, I was very pleased to see over our time there really drop. You know, mm-hmm. when we started RPG Net, we had an actual physical, uh, physical colo that was, uh, you know, down by the bay, uh, near San, near the San Francisco Bay. We had to pay for all of these machines. We had to keep them up to date. That was certainly another stressor when, you know, it, uh, 9 p.m. at night, one of our machines went down and I had to bicycle down a couple of miles to the other <laughs> side of town. Um, but, uh, you know, five, ten years ago, we were able to move those all into the cloud. And not only mm. did we suddenly have less upkeep costs, less upkeep stress, but it was cheaper. And so I've, I've been pleased to see that come down a lot. And we have really reliable, fast uh, virtual machines that have just been getting better for Bare and bare by the year without going up in cost. So. Yeah, that's a step that I've never actually taken. I still have that physical colo set up um, down in Florida, actually. And uh, it's been like that for the same company, uh, Cyber Street, for about 20 years now. Yeah, at least for us, we were able to uh, half or a third our overall cost. This was uh, some other games that we ran to, not just uh, the site. The site itself was like three out of 10 or 12 machines that mm. we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big change. So, <laughs> so do, do you do you ever sort of look back fondly and sort of regret having left, or are you just happy now that's all behind you? Uh, I'm very happy it's behind me. <laughs> um, I uh, still um, am doing coding on the index there because it kind of goes uh, hand in hand with the work that I do for Designers and Dragons. It lets me catalog and see uh, productions in a way that's better than, at least for me, than any of the other tools out on the internet. Mm. Uh, and so that, you know, still gives me, you know, a very foundational access to the machines. Uh, Rose has, uh, the new editor-in-chief has my contacts, so if there's any big problems, I can help them out with it, just, you know, yeah, not on yeah. an emergency basis anymore. And so I, I can kind of still access the community at kind of that um, uh, backroom aspect that you get when you're in a community of this that I, mm. I think you would really regret losing if you suddenly had it and then didn't have it. But yeah, I don't yeah. have as much uh, responsibility uh, and certainly not as much stress. So I kind of feel like I get the best of both worlds. I can stay involved as much as I want and I uh, can keep my hands off of the stress as much as I want. So 
See, Peter here, he's definitely more of a Reddit fan, aren't you? Uh, well, I don't know that. I have been on Reddit. Which, I argue, is yeah. a message board. Um, I quite like message boards. I like being able to follow definite things. I haven't really been very active on it lately because I've just said I'm not particularly interested in D&D. I will follow D&D memes, which is post amusing pictures. And the rest of the time, yeah, I just... There's no, there's nothing really, there's nothing really to be said. It's like we've not, we've had so little content over so long that it's like, well, mm, yeah. Fair enough. It's like all, all, all the conversations feel like they've pretty much been had. Yeah, yeah. And it's just people rehashing them. I'm yeah, like, but I'm like, yeah, I noticed that definitely on my side. I don't know if you noticed that on RPG mm. Net that basically every conversation has been had a thousand times. And every conversation is kind of a, you know, a variation on a conversation that happened two months ago. I feel like we still see a lot yeah. of innovation because there's still so much innovation in the industry. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking specifically of stuff like 5th edition oh, D&D. Yeah. In, terms of, in terms of RPGs, I think it's an absolute creative bloom. Uh, I'm finding Twitter quite useful because that allows me to see people who I otherwise would basically have no way of seeing. Yeah. yeah. Um, people from... Like, uh, I would never have heard of the ASEAN movement, which is and like, um, what is that? Southeast Asian, it's Southeast Asian RPG oh, creators, right. and like they're working together and boosting each oh, yes, other. I have heard, like, yes, I have heard of it. Yeah. yeah, 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 you, yeah. You've, you've heard of that. We've had people from, from, yeah, from yeah, that yeah, movement yeah. on the show. Um, and things like Swords for OSR, which is how, of course, I came across a chap we had who was talking about this is not a place of honor RPG. Mm. Uh, came across him from a Reddit post, but yeah, it's like following the OSR scene. There's a lot of very interesting stuff out there, but I find I'm not necessarily picking it up on message boards because yeah, yeah. So Twitter, Twitter has been where I I've think, been. Lately. Yeah, I think Twitter is and, definitely yeah. one community or a place where some communities gather. Uh, Facebook is another, and message boards are another. They all, they don't interact yeah. all that much, do they? They are kind of siloed. I find. No, yeah, it's 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 all it's all very strange. And yeah, it just feels like there's a lot of atomization and yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, fragmenting, yeah. I'm sure there's like a whole world of interesting stuff going on on YouTube, but again, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. There's that people they they, they have conversations with videos apparently because you see videos which are replies to other videos, and then someone makes a video that's a reply to a video that's a reply to a video, and it's like, I ugh, that's just too much for me. I can't I can't start diving into that rabbit hole. <laughs> what well, 100% fair play to them. It just seems like a lot of effort. Mm. And yeah, so I don't know. It's just trying to find interesting people saying interesting things. And that that's largely where I go. Uh, I've definitely seen some good stuff on RPG Net. Definitely seen some good stuff on the world. It's just like, I'd say, I, I do tend to, if I do tend to get in stuff on Reddit, it's because... It lets me. Ha- it lets there be like branches in the conversation, and that that is something that appeals yeah. to me. But I can see for other people that would be horrendously complicated and no fun mm. whatsoever. So it's like, yeah, I think it's just people go with whatever they like. Yeah, really, yeah, fair, fair. I think Reddit's the third site that turns up a lot when I'm doing research as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and let's not forget Giant in the Playground. They've they've got a fair amount yeah, of stuff yeah. as well. Um, like the order, order, uh, yeah, giant oh, big, playground from the autistic guy. That's been that's been around yeah, for a long got, time too. Yeah, yeah, uh, they've certainly got a lot of optimization mm. advice on there, which I've seen. And I'm sure they've got like a lot more. They've got play by email games, mm. and everything. 
but yeah, I, I don't know because there's just so much of it. <laughs> I can't, I, I couldn't keep up even if I wanted to try. <laughs> I was just wondering, and I'm, and I'm sure Shannon, you probably got some thoughts on this about how long formats like this can last. Uh, or what the future, or whether they'll evolve, whether they'll go away, what the future of communities like like ours is, especially in the face of social media. Yeah, it's so hard to say. Um, I, you know, maybe we'll see forums evolve and pick up some aspects of social media. Mm. Maybe we'll see videos integrated, or maybe we'll just see them continue on. It's We certainly have not seen them disappear from social media. And social media has been around for a while now. Mm. But, you know, the question will be, is there going to be, you know, a, a farm killer that comes out? G plus could have been that. It certainly seemed to take yeah. a lot of attention for from us for, for a little bit. But now it's gone. So I think it's possibly at the point where you couldn't start a new one now. That just, must be. Or, I mean, maybe you could, but it would be very, very difficult. And you'd have to establish a really, really strong niche for for it. And somehow get get the traffic. But I think those that have achieved a certain critical mass and that have been around for a while, to me, it feels like they're doing just fine at the moment. They're not they're not declining yet. They're trundling along. Um, the software is getting better and better. It is, I think, getting closer to social media with some of the features it has. You can mm-hmm. do likes and you can do all the different uh, privacy controls and. All these different things that modern message board software offers you. Um, so I think I think we're going to be around in this form for a good while yet. Well, what, one of my other hats that I wear is that uh, when I do my technical writing, uh, I'm writing about decentralized identity, blockchains, uh, and other uh, decentralized technologies on the internet. So one of the disadvantages that we have on message boards right now mm. is that None of the real federated systems of identity took off where you could like use Facebook to log into different things. And I think that's good because they were deeply flawed because they gave that centralized control to Facebook. But, you know, maybe in another five years, we'll see some of these decentralized identities where you actually hold your uh, identity token. No one else start to come about. And if you could use that to log into a lot of different sites, that Mm. might start to give it the advantages of the... uh, kind of central feeling of everything being there on social media. And maybe there will be ways to kind of like share content back and forth between sites. If yeah, we, so, it, so it's all just going to merge, basically. Yeah, into, if, if we saw the uh, sites, you know, merge or just kind of be able to share things in a very organic way that, you know, might be something that really pushes it up above social media. And I think some of the decentralized identity work that, that I'm helping yeah, people yeah. with might be pointing in that direction. Yeah. I mean, there are sort of, mo- not not moves towards it, but there are elements of that there already. You can log in via Facebook into various sites. Yeah. You can share, con- you, you, you can press buttons to share content on Facebook when you want a message board and vice versa. Um, so, but it's all just slightly not quite there yet. Yeah. And what it's I'd really like, too clumsy. what I'd really like to see is, you know, you and I both use our RPG net and InWorld, not RPG net anymore, both use Zenfurl. So mm. wouldn't it be great if Zenforo presented a way that, you know, we could share content, share uh, identities in a very organic uh, peer-to-peer way uh, between us, and <laughs> then we don't have to depend on a third-party intermediary like yeah. Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I think if uh, there's probably like third-party mods out there which allow you to do that sort of thing, but the core software, no. 
there's things like, uh, you know, Tapatalk, the uh, mobile, um, that is very much trying to do that as well. You have mm-hmm. one Tapatalk identity and it allows you to publish on any one of a thousand different um, forums. Yeah. So that that's the type of thing that we might see changing forums and kind of increasing their relevance again. Mm. Yeah. All right, I think we need to start winding up now. Um, Shannon, it's been a real pleasure. I'm so glad to finally actually meet you and get to talk with you and actually you know, put a voice to the to the base. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you too. It's been, it's been, yeah, it has been a real pleasure. I hope we can do this again sometime. Bye bye, Shannon. Bye. Bye bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Not that I I dislike the original Ravenoth at all. I've got the the original box set, but... (laughs) <laughs> that for the listeners was a cat <laughs> Shannon's cat leaping across the screen well, or, or quite frankly I was like expecting like there was just this little, tilt, tiny little furry face on the side yeah. it, was just, it was just gradually creeping more and more into the yeah. front and that's absolutely fine yeah, and, uh, I only wish Monty was here but he's yeah. currently sleeping off dinner fortunately I have earphones on so Hudson who's asleep under my feet my dog didn't hear that otherwise he'd have, he'd have gone ballistic <laughs> Do not speak the beast's name lest you waken it. <laughs> oh, oh, poor husband. <laughs> nice. There we go.